Welcome to Vital Voices. Our guest today is Rebecca Henderson. She is the author of two books, Serving with Significance and Thoughts on Turning 65. She also compiles the Today in History column for the Johnson City Press and Kingsport Times News and has created a new column called Get Involved that also runs in the Johnson City Press. Rebecca, thanks for joining us today on Vital Voices. Fred, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here today. Let's start with the Today in History column, which you've done longer than you have the Get Involved column. Where did your interest in local and regional history first originate? I had a wonderful eighth grade history teacher. Her name was Virginia Matney and really instilled my love of history in the eighth grade. And it kind of laid dormant for a while until I became a member of Johnson City Sesquicentennial Commission. We celebrated our 150th birthday, December 1st, 2019. So about two years prior to that, the City Commission formed the Sesquicentennial Commission, of which I was honored to be a member of. And we decided that maybe it would be a good idea to do a Today in Johnson City history column. The first year, well, it started December 1st, 2018 as a kickoff down toward 2019 and really did not think it would go any further than that. The first year, it was just maybe one or two sentences, whatever I could really dig up uh, about something that had happened of importance to Johnson City, if not in Johnson City, on that particular day. And it just kind of has grown from there. You use the phrase digging up. Let's talk about your process. If listeners aren't familiar with the Today in History submissions, these are quite lengthy sometimes. What process do you go through to try to find these gems from Johnson City's history? How does that work? Well, that's a good question. Sometimes people will give me copies of their children's dance recital programs or music recital programs, graduation programs, church bulletins, things of that nature. But I get most of my information from newspapers.com. It's a proprietary service. And I try to look through uh, various years. Usually I go back 125 years, then 100 years, 75, 90, 50, and 25. And Monday through Friday, it's 1,000 to 1,200 words. Saturday, Sunday, five to 600 words. That's a lot of words. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What criteria do you use in, in searching out the, the perfect entry for today in history? Oh, that's another good question, Fred. Whenever someone mentions something about my column, I will say, well, what do you like best about it? What intrigues you most? What's your favorite part? Probably 75 to 80 percent of the time, people say, I like the part about people visiting other people. I like to see when great aunt Sally went to see cousin Susie and she took the horse carriage from Limestone to Telford. Yes. I like reading things like that. So I try to tailor the bulk of my column around things like that that are going to be of interest to other people. And sometimes I'll find a story that I know is going to continue for several days, for example, a bank robbery or a murder, things of that nature, and I'll continue that. Uh, But surprisingly enough, sometimes 
the second day, there's not anything in the newspaper. They just left it out or it just was not in the, the newspapers back then for whatever reason. And then maybe it'll pop up again in three or four days. In my own case, my hometown paper, the Greenville Sun, years ago ran a section called Personal Mention, which was filled with those kinds of visits. And then uh, there was a column called Cheerful Chatter, written by Edith uh, O'Keefe Susong, <laughs> and she reported on those kinds of things. So it's it's kind of sad that that those types of bits of news have, have disappeared. It really is. I think there's... Uh, I think there's a population out there that would love to hear more about things like that. I think to an extent, social media has taken the place of those things. But I I definitely think that um, uh, there's a lot of people that would love to know who's going where, why did they go, who's sick, who's had surgery, uh, which hospital were they at, um, what doctor did they see, things like that. Yeah, be it good or bad, long before HIPAA, things like that were reported. Looking back on the years in which you've compiled the Today in History columns, what are some things that stand out in your mind as perhaps most humorous, most shocking, most surprising about Johnson City? Oh, goodness. Um, I would have to really give that a hard think. Um, Some of the most surprising things have been the wedding stories that I have ran. Some of them are very long, very lengthy. The amount of detail that was provided in this society column write-ups, tremendously different than today. Looking back all the way to 1869, yes. what are some of the watershed moments or eras in Johnson City history that really define what this community is all about? Oh, goodness. Um, certainly the founding, December 1st, 1869, by Henry Johnson, for whom Johnson City is named. That would be one. The opening of the John Sevier Hotel, which will be 100 years old I believe August the 6th of next year. I'm not positive on that date, but generally speaking, August of next year will be 100 years old. Um, The founding of the Normal School, which, of course, has evolved into East Tennessee State University. Um, That's that's another one. Uh, Certainly the founding of the medical school, getting ready to be 50 years old next year. Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy, another watershed. I think um, the transition from East Tennessee State College to East Tennessee State University is another one. Mm -hmm. I think when the mall opened, uh, that's another one. Uh, So several, several different watershed moments. It's interesting that you point to the opening of the John Sevier Hotel. What's your reasoning for uh, highlighting it? It was such a a piece of architecture in its time. It was such a um, it was a very tall building for its time. Cutting cutting edge, I think, would probably be a good descriptor of of the architecture of the ornate 
uh, the inside, the elaborateness. There was, um, for people who belonged to the Qantas Club, Rotary, Lions Club, the Civic Clubs, there was a club room where they met and they had their meetings and they usually had either dinner or lunch meetings. Um, it, it was just, just I think, really uh, something almost ahead of its time for a city the size of Johnson City. And of course, it was located just right on the rail line. So people who were traveling didn't have very far to walk at all. Let's change gears now and talk about the Get Involved column, which sure. you started, I think, back in the spring or early yeah, summer. What was the origin of that idea to create a column called Get Involved, and, and what is its purpose? One day, probably April, May, Stephanie McClellan, who is the editor of the Johnson City Press, and I were talking about various ways that people, especially newcomers to Johnson City, of course, we've had many of those over the past two or three years, how they could get involved, how they could feel involved, and how they could feel more included in the community, how we could be, what we could, steps that we could take to include them and to become more inclusive. And we both were Girl Scouts as girls, so I said something along that line, and Stephanie just said, well, you know, I'd like to have somebody that could write a column like that that would tell people how to get involved with various nonprofits and organizations. And I said, Stephanie, you're talking to her. I think <laughs> I could probably do that. So that's what we did. People say all the time, I'd love to be involved, but I don't know how to do it. Your column provides that guidance. It provides a vehicle for that, yes. And oftentimes, and I need to put this in my column at some time, um, and I just have not done so yet, but oftentimes people uh, can feel free to just call up an organization that they have an interest in and ask to speak with the coordinator of volunteers or the volunteer coordinator, the volunteer director. They have different titles, but anyone working at an organization like that will know exactly who they need to talk to. Just say, you know, hey, I'm new in town, and I'd like to learn more about the ABC nonprofit. I'm thinking I might even want to volunteer. Who should I talk to? Why is community involvement especially important at this juncture in our nation's history? An involved community is a great community. And working together, you can achieve so much more than working independently because of the synergy. Do you have any role models in your personal life that that you look to to this day as examples of deep community involvement? My parents were both involved in the community. They both did a lot for other people, many times, probably most of the time, behind the scenes. And that's kind of what I like to do, too, is, is I don't like to be out front. I like to do it behind the scenes. Um, and I've got several friends that have served as, as role models for me over the years. Um, one of the, the best role models I ever had was Angela Claxton Freeman when she was executive director of Girl Scouts. Sadly, she passed away several years ago, but uh, I could always count on Angela for wonderful wisdom, for her to tell me exactly the way things were, and... Um, she, she was just really a font of knowledge, of, of nonprofit knowledge. We talked about how involvement is good for the community. 
How is involvement good for the individual? You know, I can just speak from personal experience. I'm certainly not a clinician, uh, so that might be a good question for you to ask a clinician at some point. Um, but I, I feel like that getting involved helps us make new friends, uh, develop new relationships, learn more about the community, learn more about why we are in a community, and uh the different uh, the differences that we can make by sometimes just showing up, sometimes just lending an ear to someone who's less fortunate than, than ourselves. And those are certainly points you made in your first book, Serving with Significance. You have a new book out now. In fact, it's only a year or so old. Thoughts on Turning 65. Give me a snippet or two from this book that listeners might be interested in hearing. One that comes to mind immediately is vote. Yes. Uh, I think it's important to participate in our community. And what easier way is there to participate than voting? Um, another thing that I like to do is to send thank you notes. And uh, they don't necessarily have to be via postal service anymore. We can text. We can call. We can email. We can do uh, anything like that. Um, let me just read one because uh, this kind of hit home uh, several years ago when my mother was was uh, literally dying. For those with loved ones in the hospital or even having long-term health difficulties, grocery and gasoline gift cards are appreciated. And this is something that I have used a lot. Be ready with a, with a sincere apology, even if the mistake or error is not yours. Certainly good advice. Thanks for being with us, Rebecca. Thank you, Fred. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Our guest today on Vital Voices has been Rebecca Henderson. She's the author of Thoughts on Turning 65 and Serving with Significance. She also writes the Today in History column for the Johnson City Press and Kingsport Times News and a column called Get Involved. Be sure and join us next weekend when we dig into the WETS archives and feature a discussion with the late Haynes Lancaster about the founding of television station WJHL in Johnson City, Tennessee. Vital Voices is heard every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock and every Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock here on WETS-FM and WETS-HD1. I'm your host, Fred Sausman.